Hi, it's Shana here. Before this episode starts, I'm popping in with a quick reminder about our upcoming CEU on Thursday, May 16th on a person-centered approach to behavior management. School taught us a lot about ABA. However, the thing with ABA is that it's a science and it's constantly evolving. So a lot of what we learned back then doesn't always apply now. Today, we want to use a person-centered approach to behavior management, um, but what does that look like and how can our learners still make progress in this kind of approach? So join us live on Thursday, May 16th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time as Shira discusses how to use a person-centered approach to behavior management with your learners. This CEU is presented by our very own Shira Karpel. You can earn one learning CEU for ACE, QABA, or IBAO. Join us live at this event or to watch the recording asynchronously, go to howtoaba.com forward slash CEU. See you then. Hi, I'm Shira Karpow. And I'm Shana Gaunt, and we're board certified behavior analysts. At How To ABA, we provide practical resources, community, and support to ABA professionals. In each episode of our podcast, we will be having real conversations with real people sharing real stories about ABA. We'll share relevant strategies and actionable tips that will make us all better ABA practitioners. It's the ABA content you need that you're not going to learn in a textbook. A lot of time we implement task analyses as a way of teaching skills and taking data. So today we're diving into all aspects of a task analysis and how it can help you and your clients succeed. Traditionally, when we think of task analysis, we think of things like, oh, showering and this and that, what have you. But personal story from yesterday, I was in at a client's house. He has just moved to semi-independent living. He's extremely handy. He loves construction and all things construction. So he does things like, you know, house renovations. He likes to paint. He likes to fix things up. However, you know, we've got this, I call it the honey-do list of things that need to be done around the house, right? He doesn't know where to start um, and neither do any of his therapists. So what we did yesterday is, you know, we looked at the list and we said, okay, you know, what needs to be done? And there were things on there like stain the deck, paint the fence, fix the garden hose. And, you know, we all looked at the one therapist who's pretty handy and we're like, okay, you're doing the Home Depot run. And, you know, we can't lay it all on one therapist, especially because it's a therapist. That's not the therapist's job. The therapist's job is to support the individual. That should be the individual's job. So what we did as a team yesterday is we created task analyses for these things so that we were able to break things down and make these tasks doable for everyone, not just the handy person. So, you know, yesterday, for instance, with the stained deck, you know, the very first thing we said is, Google, first point, Google how to stain a deck, right? There's this thing called YouTube out there. Have you heard of it? <laughs> uh, anyways, Google how to stain a deck, you know, and the second step, you know, go get some paint stain samples. Third step, you know, check for supplies. What do you have? You know, paintbrush, what do you need? Paintbrush, paint tray, all that kind of stuff, you know, and then we broke it down further. We said, okay, then you need to um, Google how to power wash, power wash the deck, let it dry, sand it, um, stain it. I don't even know all the steps because I'm not, it's not right in front of me, but that's what we did yesterday is we broke all that down. And you could see as we broke that down, the therapists in the room, their anxiety level just went, okay, I got this. I can do this. And it was really cool to see because it wasn't just the person who's super handy, but it was also everybody else was like, now I feel like I can do this. I'm now a support worker to this individual versus being a glorified shopper who needs to stay in a deck. Um, and it was awesome because the individual is like, 
I got this. Now I know how to do this. I can stain this deck. I love staining. This is perfect. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's how task analyses can come in handy. So what is a task analysis? It's uh, one of the tools in our toolbox that we use a lot. I would say it's a, it's a very handy strategy to have. Um, and essentially what it is, is it's taking a really big task. It doesn't have to be really big, medium, big, any size task and breaking it down into smaller steps. So all of us do this on a regular basis, right? If you have a really looming deadline or a project or an assignment to do, it could be really overwhelming to just think of, oh, I have to finish this project or I have to finish this assignment. But if you take a step back and say, well, first I have to go to the library and next I have to do my research and then I have to buy my materials and you break down that bigger task into smaller steps, it all of a sudden makes it more manageable. So that's essentially what a task analysis is, is it's taking a bigger job and breaking it down into smaller steps. And the reason it's so important for a lot of our students is because they need that type of learning, um, giving them a role like, you know, clean the kitchen or brush your teeth or get dressed. Um, they might need to be taught specifically what those steps mean. What does it mean to clean the kitchen? You know, does it mean do the dishes and sweep the floor and, you know, put things away um, and just being more specific so that that bigger job can get done by putting together a lot of smaller jobs? I'm smiling right now, Shira, because when you say, what does it mean to clean the kitchen? I'm like, is that what your teenagers ask? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> clean the kitchen. What, what, what do you mean about that? No, no. <laughs> Um, right. But uh, absolutely. So a task analysis is really just a list of breaking things down into smaller components. Um, you know, people associate task analyses with chaining, you know, backward chaining, forward chaining, total task presentation. That's part of it. But the task analysis portion itself, a task analysis is simply the list. Once you have that list of the teaching steps, then you can break it down and you can decide how to teach, whether you want to teach with, you know, backward chaining, forward chaining, total task presentation, or simply like, you know what, they don't have step four, I'm pulling step four out, and I'm doing mass trialing of step four. Mm -hmm. And how do you get that list? Um, there's a couple ways to get it, you can either do it yourself and write down all those steps. So if you've never paid attention to the steps that you do when you wash your hands, you could wash your hands, you know, and pay attention. Well, you know, first I turn on the tap and, you know, then do I get my hands wet or pump the soap first or pump the soap first and get my hands wet, you know, start paying attention to the order that you do things. And then you can write it into a list. That's one way to get the list that composes the task analysis. Another way is if you're working with a client who's going to be working on one of these skills that involve a task analysis is you can have the client do it and just write down the steps that they do. They may not do it all correctly, but you can start to, you know, shape the task analysis around what their inclinations are. Um, I remember once I was teaching a client to brush their teeth and we put that into a task analysis. And I, when I brush my teeth, I, you know, get the toothbrush wet first and then I put on the toothpaste. And so that was, you know, what we wrote up as a task analysis. And for some reason, I just remember that the mom was like, no, you don't get the toothbrush wet first. First, you put on the toothpaste and then you get the toothbrush wet. And I was like, mind blown. Like, are you serious? This is what you do. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's a minor change that if that's what that family does and that's what that mom would have done, then that's what we put into the task analysis. So having the client do it and do what feels comfortable for them will sometimes change how you create that task analysis. Um, so that's another option. Have them do it and kind of record what their natural inclinations are. 
I like that because you're going with their natural inclination and then you don't need to unteach them something before teaching them something. Um, so it's like, okay, you know what, if you want to pump the soap once versus three times, that's okay. You know, if you, you know, turn on the tap with your left hand instead of your right hand, who am I to say that that's not correct, right? Like, come on. So um, absolutely going with what the client can show you. Um, if you're not getting anything from the client, maybe ask a sibling or ask a parent to demonstrate because exactly that, Shira, you know, they may be, you know, putting toothpaste on in a different order than, you know, you would do that. And that's where your bias comes in, right? So really looking at what does the family do? What does the sibling do? What does the client do? And making the list from there. Mm-hmm. And um, also baseline that first. Like once you have the steps, have them do it so that you have an idea of where they're at. I've put into place task analyses and we've sat around in a team meeting and, you know, we've all done it ourselves. I'm thinking hand washing, you know, we go in the bathroom and we're, you know, doing everything ourselves and going, okay, here's, here's what to do. And we put together this list, but then all of a sudden the task of hand washing, which could be as simple as, you know, turn on the tap, put your hands under it, pump some soap. I, I, I just blanked on the on hand washing. Do you know how many times I've washed my hands during COVID? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just blanked on the steps of hand washing. Anyway, with that being said, you know, you do all that. Um, but sometimes team members can be too detailed. And all of a sudden the steps of the 12 steps of hand washing turn into 42 steps of hand washing. So Be careful about that too. You know, there's certain clients who may need every little thing taught exactly. And those are your slower learners, right? So, you know, some learner may need puts left hand on left faucet, turns it slightly to the right, puts your hand under the, they may need all of that. Um, Other clients don't need any of that. They really just need turns on tap, puts hands under, pumps soap once, rubs hands five times, puts under for a count of 10, dries hands. So it it really depends on your client. Um, But try not to get too wrapped up in the nitty gritty, because if you have 42 steps, not only is that overwhelming for the client, but it's also overwhelming for you and therapists. And when you're teaching the steps of a task analysis, like Shana mentioned, you're either, you can either use forward chaining or, or backward chaining. Forward chaining would mean that you're teaching the first step first, focusing on that, and then adding steps as you go. Um, and backwards chaining would mean, you know, you might be helping them through the entire sequence and then just fading yourself out of the last step. So toothbrushing, for example, you may backwards chain so that you're doing it together. Um, and then they just do the last step themselves that you're building up that independence. Now that once you've created this list of what the steps are, the best way to teach it is putting that into some sort of visual. So having, because a lot of skills that we use a task analysis for are independent skills or life skills, it's really important to not have that teaching become embedded in the steps of that task analysis. So you're trying to teach them, but you're also trying to fade yourself out. So whether you're forward chaining or backward chaining, you want to be as nonverbal as possible. So supporting them if they need a little bit of like physical gesturing or prompting, but ideally having them learn how to work through either um, a, a schedule of a task analysis and they could be, if they can read, you could just write out the steps that they're moving through. Um, if they need pictures, it could be pictures, they could be pointing, they could be moving something down down the list as they complete it. So putting something in place that as they're doing the steps of that task analysis, um, they're able to be completing it more and more independently and that you're not telling them and reminding them every step along the way because your voice and your presence is going to be the hardest thing to fade. So you might need to be a little bit creative in how 
you're teaching them what the steps of the task analysis are, is, but um, just remembering that you're, you shouldn't be embedded in that task analysis. What I like about task analysis as well is that um, not only is it clear for the student what steps they need to do next, but it's clear for the therapist, right? Because without that task analysis, that therapist might teach in different ways. So sometimes when I put up a visual schedule, maybe my therapist or sorry, maybe my client doesn't need the visual schedule but maybe my therapist does. And sometimes that visual schedule is a really good nonverbal cue for the therapist or for the parent. Um, so that's another reason to use a schedule. But Shira, I love what you said about you know making sure that as a therapist, teacher, prompter, you are silent. Do not embed yourself in a teaching interaction. Um, you know, I had a student who had a, you know, we were teaching showering and we broke up the steps of showering. And showering is excuse me, really hard to teach, especially if you're older. If you've got, you know, a 16 or a 21-year-old male in the shower and you've got a 20-year-old female who needs to teach this male showering, it's very inappropriate. So typically with a showering program, we'll have, you know, the student put on a bathing suit during the shower just for, you know, for, for privacy purposes. Um, or we'll teach showering outside of the shower first and practice and we'll set up some streamers and pretend it's a shower and that type of thing. Um, anyway, with that being said, with the steps of the shower, you know, I've done it before where, you know, I've written out all the steps the student could read. So I write out all the steps. I triple laminate it so that it's waterproof, stick it to the back wall of the shower and have Velcro and have them move a coin down the list as they do it. Now, the therapist, you know, would be standing outside of the shower and just reaching in as necessary to, you know, to point to the next thing on the list. Um, but I had one therapist go, okay, what's next on the list? Okay, check the list. Okay, remember your armpits. Oh, you didn't wash your arms. And what happened when that therapist wasn't there? Nothing. The, the, the student would stand in the shower and wait for that next verbal prompt. Just wait. And it was so hard to fade out that verbal prompt because the therapist had embedded herself so much in that teaching interaction. Um, so you really, really need to make sure that that prompting is coming from something that's not what I call a human resource. The prompting is coming from a list. The prompting is coming from the video model that they watched beforehand. The prompting is com be coming from something other than the therapist. So why would we choose to use a task analysis over another, you know, form of either data collection or teaching? Um, there's a couple of reasons. The first thing is it's really great to keep track of things that involve routines, life skills, independence. So like we've been giving examples, but hand washing and toothbrushing and showering, those are also the kind of things that you can't really give them tons of trials on. So they typically tend to be things within your day that you're not going to have them brush their teeth, you know, 10 times in a row. And um, there could be steps that you pull out and maybe mass trial those for teaching purposes, but they're generally routines. You know, if you're working on an entry routine, um, it's not always possible to do that 10 times in practice, but you want to get that first time, you want to get, get that routine um, as clean as possible. So breaking it down into steps, it's usually for those kind of life skills, independent routines. Um, the forward chaining part of it is also great for things that you want to teach really slowly. So if you're working on like desensitizing a client to something or getting them used to something very slowly, you might use forward chaining within a task analysis to be able to get them very, very slowly used to something. So, you know, I had a, a client who really didn't like going into the bathroom. 
So for some reason, they were, you know, afraid of the bathroom, a specific bathroom in, in the building. And so instead of having them go to that bathroom every time, we would break it down into a task analysis and they would have to walk by the bathroom, um, touch the bathroom door. And we broke that down systematically and then we would forward chain it so that as only when he was comfortable going to the next step, would we then move on to that next step in the task analysis? What does it mean to go into the bathroom? And, and we broke that down further. So it's for students who would benefit from further breaking the skill down, either for purposes of routine and independence or for purposes of comfort um, and, you know, slowly getting used to something. The other way, reason you'd use a task analysis is because, you know, for data collection purposes, you know, you say, okay, teach a child to wash their hands. Sure, there's all the consistency, et cetera. But, you know, if you were trying to teach a student to wash their hands and it was either all or nothing data, so plus or minus, can they wash their hands? You're going to be at zero for a long, long, long time. And your data isn't showing you anything. So that's why you can also break it down because then you can see data on every single every single step so that you can actually make database decisions. So how would you take data on a task analysis? So what we often do is you break down the steps, you have those written on your task analysis and you have a couple options. Um, you could just write plus or minus, meaning did they do that step independently or did they not? If you're starting by backwards chaining, then you wouldn't really collect data on any of the first steps, you'd only collect data on, you know, the step that you're working on. So it turns into somewhat of an upward trend. Um, same thing with forward chaining. You might only collect data on that first step that you're working on. And then once they've met mastery criteria, you're adding steps incrementally. Um, so it could be just be a plus or minus on that step. Um, or if you want more information, you could specify what level of prompting that they needed to make that step successful. So technically it's still you know a minus if the expectation that they do it independently, but it gives you more information. Are you moving from you know a full prompt to a partial prompt to a gesture? And you could record that amount of prompting that they needed directly on that task analysis data sheet. If you're pulling out some type of component skills, so for instance, you know, my student can do a lot of the steps, but they can't, you know, undo the toothpaste or squeeze the toothpaste by themselves. I could pull out that one particular step and teach, you know, undoing the toothpaste, you know, opening the toothpaste over and over again. So I may take, you know, trial by trial data specifically on just opening the toothpaste. And then that would just be graphed as a percentage. Another thing that I often use a task analysis, you know, data sheet or teaching style for is um, leisure skills. So, you know, doing some sort of independent activity schedule or getting kids to play independently or even like, you know, complete their work independently, that can go into a task analysis. So even giving kids work assignments, like, you know, first do this worksheet, then the next worksheet, then, you know, take a five minute break and then go out for recess you know, you're breaking down their school day into smaller chunks and putting it into some sort of task analysis. And then you can also get information on the level of independence because, you know, classroom skills require independence, play skills require independence, leisure skills, all of those things. And so a task analysis will give you good information on what parts of that are they struggling with or are they not as independent with? So that's another good way to use it. I love creating task analyses, but just a, a word of caution, when you are creating a task analysis, make sure you baseline the skill even before you create the task analysis and put the program in place. And you know, a shout out to one of my therapists, if she's listening, she's going to laugh because she knows exactly who what my story is going to be. Um, she, for her grad project, she had to do uh, creating a task analysis and writing a whole program um, for a specific skill. And she chose teaching laundry to this one individual. And she spent 
hours creating the task analysis, creating a program, putting all these visuals in place. And she, she was a rock star. She did a really great job. And then she went to teach the student and the student learned within, I think, three trials. And it was great. I mean, the student learned it was awesome and her program worked, but the amount of time that she took to write the program and create the task analyses versus him learning it was, you know, it was tough. So make sure that you baseline things before you put in place in uh, task analyses. So we talked a lot about what a task analysis is, how we create a task analysis, how to teach a task analysis, either using forward chaining, backward chaining, total task presentation. Um, we talked about what kind of skills that we use a task analysis for, like life skills and independence, and breaking down those larger tasks into smaller tasks and putting those into the task analysis gives you a lot more information and data collection on that bigger scale. So we have a lot of task analyses in our membership, um, but if you click on the link in and around this video, um, you can get a free task analysis template so that you can create your own. Thanks for joining today's conversation. Wherever you get your podcast, please go and subscribe, rate and review so others can find out about us too. For more from How To ABA, including free resources and ABA materials, visit our blog at howtoaba.com. And make sure that you're following us on social media for more practical tips and updates.